Guys, good Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry Miller. Welcome to Real Talk with Keith Smith. Thank you kindly for joining us. It's a pleasure to connect with you on a show presented today by Ross Mortgage and Scott Morris, the show where any topic is available on the I Love Seville Network. Today's show, you, the viewer, can offer perspective and ask questions. It's welcome, Judah Wickhauer, the director. Let's go to the studio camera. Fellas, we had some car talk on Real Talk, and I'm sure we'll get to real estate on Real Talk. But before we talk anything, good Wednesday morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing? You know, we talked on our pre-production meeting. Wouldn't today be a great day to go out fishing? Boy. Man, what a beautiful day. What's your favorite day. fishing hole? Oh, I'll let Do you Scott got a fishing hole? Uh, Are you fishing? fishing hole um, would be the Atlantic Ocean around uh, ramp 25 to 55 uh, on Hatteras Island. There it is right there. That's a pretty large fishing hole, Scott Morris. So mine is the, uh, the Chesapeake Bay. I used to, uh, we used to own property out in Cape Charles, and we used to take the boat over there, and we did fishing with, uh, with my daughter, Yvonne, and Yasmina, and all that stuff for decades out there. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a bay guy. You go out a little further, further thing. But right now, this is like trout season, right? So we used to call them weak fish up in New York. But there's a couple of holes over there that I won't tell anybody about. My favorite uh, fishing hole on West Main Street, I think it's called Public Fish and Oyster. <laughs> um, spend some time there. Um, Daniel Kaufman, you do a hell of a job. Neil Williamson, good morning. Good Thank morning, you Neil. for sharing uh, the link to your website. Gentlemen, rate hikes, yes, no. Maybe so. You have disinflation in China. You have obscene inflation, what, in Europe. You have the Fed speculation quarter of a point in May. Now I wake up this morning, I listen to my podcasts, I pick up some of the papers online, and the expectation for a rate hike is now at a 25% clip for June. Yeah. I mean, every single freaking day, Scott Morris. Um, and, and, you know, I, we, oh, and we have questions for you as well, but the show is yours. Where would you like to begin? Um, yeah, no, uh, we are at, at some point going to, you know, Again, the beatings will continue until inflation improves. Um, the Fed is not done. Um, we're, they're not seeing what they want. Uh, BlackRock is now saying that uh, their expectation of 2% uh, as an inflation goal is unrealistic at best. Uh, I, you know, again, something's going to break eventually, um, which, you know, is bad for the overall U.S. economy, but it will be good for mortgage rates. And uh, I think we get there uh, at some point, but we're going to continue down this path in the in the short term. Mark that, Judah Wickhauer. Keith, the wheels are turning. Uh, uh, I'm well, nervous. You know, it, the, the wheels are turning because I'm doing some math on what we talked about on Monday when we were going what the what, and maybe, maybe the tide has changed for inventory, and maybe... We're starting to get a little bit better, and the answer to that, I think, is a flat no. Yeah, that's that, that's, that's no. All I've all I've seen there is people come to terms with what kind of offers they need to make to win um, versus uh, inventory actually improving. So since Friday today, in our footprint, we saw a twenty-four percent drop in actives, and saw a thirty-eight percent jump 
impending. So we just literally did a reverse where we were hoping uh, on Monday that, hey, maybe some of this is starting to sync up a little bit. I think what you're going to be seeing right now is, you know, stuff that went on the market is now going into pending. We'll have a little bit more activity, I think, in, in, in inventory, but they're just going to be popping off as, as soon as they I, met, they I mentioned in. this on Monday. I mentioned this to Nikki. I mentioned this to Keith. I'll throw it to Scott. The market is so crazy right now, ladies and gentlemen, that open houses are being canceled before the open houses are happening. There's been multiple times this past weekend I saw realtors through email or social media legitimately cancel open houses because of a multiple offer scenario and then the seller just choosing to go under contract before the open house. They just don't want to go through this. Exactly. They just want to do this, get it over with. Right, the hassle. Right. I mean, that right there just suggests the insanity that's happening and has returned to the market i mean it's it's and it's completely it's i feel like it's even crazier than the last time you were on the show how Scott. does this work from a compliance side where uh, uh with what <clears throat> great question i'm seeing with coming soons and offers just coming in at the like it comes on as coming soon people sight unseen they haven't even seen the house but the offers start coming in i like think i mean i don't want to i'm going to give everyone the benefit of the doubt and i don't want to put my dear friend keith smith in a tough position here but i would hope what's happening is the offers i do are enough coming of that in. on my own I, and, and i try to have your back every day on this program Appreciate okay it. i would hope the offers are coming in the one minute after the day allows the house to be active. Let's hope that's when they're coming in. Because I also had similar questions. It's a real estate show. Keller Williams are presenting. So I didn't want to go into any kind of sticky scenarios. I was also wondering the same stuff. Yeah, so the Mets are doing pretty good. I can. I think so. I, I, was, I was had a nice conversation with my mother and we were watching some baseball games together. So I think the Mets are doing good. Look, um, so even if you put it into coming soon, that, that doesn't stop somebody from doing a sight unseen offer. You can, you can do that. Somebody can make an offer. And also uh, to the point of the open house, the house could have gone active a couple days before the open house. To Keith's point, we're seeing houses go well, active on Wednesday, and the open houses happen Saturday, and the offers, what, deadline Sunday so, evening? So I can tell you, we're seeing this in Richmond. It's starting to creep up a little bit into here, and that's what well, today is Wednesday, right? So I'll bet you tomorrow you'll see a spike in inventory a little bit tomorrow, coming on tomorrow friday yeah and then when we do the show on monday we'll probably see the, a spike in in pendings but it's interesting looking at this there's usually about a 24 to 48 hour lag right from the actual contract getting written circulated you know approved and then ending up in the system, right? I believe somewhere around 24 to 48 hours. So that's why some of these pendings are jumping a little bit, like a couple days late in the in midweek, which is today on that end of it. But look, I, I, you know, the seller is in the driver's seat, right? The seller makes the call. I personally think if you've got a scheduled open house, it's in the seller's best interest in today's market to let the open house happen. And you buy that, Scott? Is selling, is selling, okay, here, here's, here's the specific question. Here's a sizzle reel. This is a legitimate question here. Is if you're selling a home in April of 2023, do you need an open house to get full retail value? The short answer for that your is, house. The short answer retail that value. is no. Full value. List price. That's no. But here's why, if you don't mind me jumping in. It, the reason why open houses are important now, if, if you have a home that hits my six, I can't get in to see it 
I totally get it. And so, by full so, retail value, I meant max value. Got it. Do you need to open house to have full max value on your house? Not if it's somebody who's had their tail kicked for, you know, three months in a row and this house comes on and they go in and, and make an offer. And this is com- what I'm starting to see or hear a little bit about. Um, and this isn't new. This is, uh, there's a, we're, we'll be reviewing offers Sunday at 6 o'clock and Friday at 2 p.m. Uh, we've accepted an offer. Um, that's so no if do, do you need the open house to get that not if it's the right property and the the purchaser is someone who's who's been seeking said property and wants to go in and make an offer that they can't refuse to get it off market so what you're what you're you guys are not seeing is the agent notes on these listings and it's specifically most of them should say that the seller reserves the right to accept an offer prior to that deadline right so that is buried in the agent notes i don't think you see that on the public the public side because the sellers made that decision that this is what they want to do and a lot of times that's what you're see you're seeing happening here but the reality of it is you know if you know if you can't get in, I mean, this is what's happening to us. If I can't get into a home because it's booked, we're going to take advantage of that open house to go and see it. You know, to Jerry, to Jerry's point and to your point, I think if there was an open house or no open house, if it's the right location, right price, right features, right condition, it's going to get the best offer possible, regardless if it's an open house or not. Carol Thorpe watching the program. Hey, Carol. Uh, she says, I don't know much about cars in general, but Mr. Thorpe, her husband, was driving a shiny, brand new, silver 1988 two-door Toyota Corolla the year we met. Both it and him looked pretty good to me. Thank you, Carol Thorpe, <laughs> for sharing that. And, and probably still do look pretty good to Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much, Carol Thorpe, for sharing that. What's that, Scott Morris? What was that old... It was the, uh, the old... The, uh, the, like the... The original Toyota Celica, like the Japanese Mustang. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I, I always, I always like Supra. Uh, yeah. oh, no, no, it was the Celica. The Celica uh, came out in like the early '80s, uh. pre-Supra. Um, what, and it, but it looked like a, a, a little mini fastback uh, Mustang. It was uh, the the Japanese, yeah, the little Japanese Mustang. So if my, let's put cost aside. What's your dream car? I'm so not a car guy. Um, I, I've been asked this question. I just still do not know. know how to answer. I've probably got a couple of them. I don't really care. I, I guess I'm not that, you know. Um, well, what are your couple? Um, we got comments here, too. Mine are just outrageous. Like, oh, all right. So I'll tell you what. Um, I'm into the uh, the Welltail uh, 80s Porsches that have just escalated out of, like, reasonable purchase price um those are great yeah that's that's you know, that's, one of my that's when they were cars right yeah, yeah, yeah none yeah. of this all this couple i mean a non-aspirated crap. gt3 uh porsche carrera is probably way up on my list but so. why would you even buy one here you can't drive it you re- literally can't. you'd have well, you yeah. well i mean why can't you drive it well you could you, could, you, you go to jail you, well no yeah <laughs> you, yeah you there's a guy that drives a ferrari around here yeah, but if you actually... If he do- doesn't track it and spend four grand a weekend on tires, then he's wasting the car. If he, if he... Oh, you're saying to enjoy a car like a Ferrari or the Porsche that you're describing. They don't the settle Porsches, in until they're... That you, you, you have to... Track it. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. They okay. don't settle gotcha. in until like yeah, 100 I mean, miles. Do that you'd around have to have the around. time, the money to, yeah. to, to, to take it, get licensed, you know, do like track licensing, yeah, and yeah, do yeah. all the things. So I don't know if you know this about Yona, but Yona's actually, Yona's watching and she's got comments. She's like, I know what her car, favorite car is, her, but she's actually What's your favorite car, licensed though, yeah. to rally race in Europe. She's really? literally can rally race in, in Europe. Her favorite car is a Mustang GT Shelby. That is uh, her. She says uh, Ford Mustang, hands down. Yeah. That's what she just said. She will, she will, and I never understood that. You know, so we were moving out of her last car, and, and this, this was going to be her car that she was going to. She was going to buy, and all of a sudden, I got a phone call to meet her at Subaru. Uh, check the YouTube channel as well, Judah. Go ahead there, Keith. Um, to go to Subaru channel, so it's amazing what grandkids do because you know we we finally got to a point in life that she could buy the car that she really wants, and all of a sudden we bought a Subaru. And as the story, Subaru is a great car. Yeah. Okay. And so, it, it, Subaru was uh, one of the top rated cars you oh, could, you could buy. Uh, the Outback's a great car. That's what I'm saying. I, Subaru's I, got fantastic ratings. I drove from from New York City to here in in a in a blizzard, and the thing was great. But Yona used to drive BMWs, so I go to pick up the car with the car, and I get in, and she gets on the 64 and presses the pedal down, thinking she's driving a three series or a five series, and it don't go nowhere. Yeah, and a semi comes up on my side, and she almost crunched me because you know, as she says, you've got to get out and push the car to make it go a little faster. There you go, there but, you go. But, but you know what the Subaru can do. It manage can, a snowstorm, no problem, easy peasy. It, it, it can. And, I mean, it's and got by the way, a little, little more space than the BMW as well. And holds a bunch of grandkids and a dog. And she, there you go. And she says, we encourage our seller clients to hold open houses to give the home maximum exposure. This comment's come in from Grayson. He also is seeing the open houses get canceled as well. And if he wonders um, if it does a disservice to the agent canceling open houses. It's the seller that makes the call, okay. not the not the agent. Yeah. So, um, so the the sellers, you know, doing a disservice if they've got a property sitting on market and they don't hold an open house and they can't and it's not being sold, then they're not probably putting enough eyeballs on it for the seller. They're not maximizing value there. But if they're counseling an open house because the seller says we've received all the offers that we need, to uh, well, it's an emotional thing. I don't want to go through that. Just. just just a, it's stressful enough to manage 10, 20, 30 offers because that's what that's what's happening. It's it's tough on the seller, right? They just want to get the, they want to move on with their life. Uh, this comment for Scott Moore specifically. This is from um, Deep Throat. Deep Throat is a upper level finance guy, macro finance. Um, this one's pretty pretty technical for you here. Okay. Um, he goes. I spent some time with my firm's MBS guru last week couple of interesting points would be curious to Scott Morris's take on Jerry. One, if you look at Freddie Mac average production mortgage coupon, it is well below prevailing mortgage rates. That suggests a huge amount of buy-down activity. My, my guy says this is largely builder incentives. Looking at the gap, he thinks this amounts to a typical concession of 7 to 8% on price. That is not showing up in sales price of builder properties. That's the first point he wants to talk about. Then he's got a second one. Do you want to do offer any perspective on that first one? So I wouldn't see that 
Um, so this is this is Lennar NVR um, uh, the these these Stanley Martin or and larger um, Syntex that owns the mortgage company and the builder. So I would never see that money being given away. Okay. I, I mean, and when I compete against it and I go up, I'll say, "Hey, let's take a look at this." And you know, in three months. If things drastically improve, we'll just refi you from there. Um, but competing against lender-paid buy-downs on a builder side um, is one of the things that separates anybody in what I do from competing with them in the fact that we can never go give away what they're giving away to get these things done. Nice. Keith, so anything the, you want to throw there? Yeah, so to add to that, so if, if it's new construction in our in our car footprint if there's any seller concessions they're supposed to show up when they close it out so if there were seller concessions given it needs it they it should be shown now if it is or not is a different story but if it runs through the mls and the builder is offering a ten thousand six thousand dollar closing cost assistance or whatever they're doing on that it should it's supposed to show up because it impacts value Right, so it, it it's supposed to uh, show up, and some of them. Um, so I'm looking at one that just closed uh, in Palmyra, so that you know, in the side I can see, seller concessions ten thousand dollars. So the sale price was four oh two, but there was ten thousand dollars worth of seller concessions. So it need they if they're running through the MLSs, they need to. They when you get into the smaller builders who partner with a different bank. Um, those are concessions that, um, if I choose to, I can compete with. Um, uh, Liberty is one who partners with, That's what this with one some is. banks yeah. that where what they're getting on the lender side um, with who they're partnered with, we ha we I can compete with that all day. Um, that's not a, a concern. But when you get into some of these bigger institutions that the company essentially owns the mortgage company and they own the company doing the building that's where the competition and quite frankly uh i knew you were going to go down there you want to go down that road i mean you know uh, unfair if, advantage if, yeah if you're gonna if if you want to put your you know if, if we're going to look at who's getting there you know putting the thumb on the scale and how do we make things more competitive that'd be a great way to do it um and one of the ways would be to legislate something saying that uh if they disclose that uh, if you use, if they put there that the builder is going to give eight thousand, if you use our lender, if you can bring a, a you know close or confirmed financing, uh, there's no reason that they should lose that incentive from the builder uh, if you can compete with what's being given from the lender. So the where is going to matter. I was looking through a couple of recent solds. So um, there's a couple of Charlottes closer to the inner inner urban ring. There was no seller concessions given. I'm looking at another one from from Stanley Martin Homes. There was a two thousand uh, dollar seller concession given on a four hundred and eighty thousand uh, dollar townhome purchase um, on that. So four hundred eighty thousand dollar townhome. Well, that it's to me. It's, well, so they call it a townhome, but it's really a duplex. Is it attached? It's attached, yeah. But it's an end unit, and it's, it's a, a duplex. Du it's a duplex. That's a duplex. So I, I have a very difference of opinion. Yeah. Townhomes to me are, are row houses. Uh -huh. This is this is. Uh, I got to walk out in the morning, and I got to I got I got to high five you on the way to the car when we're we're both leaving. Yeah. No thanks. Not for four hundred fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> Location for some of them is pretty good. Um, 
and you don't have a lot of out, you know, exterior maintenance, including yard maintenance, which is always nice. Here's a, go ahead. Yeah, it's just uh, my, my point I'm making is if there is a seller concession given and runs through that, it should be noted to, to Deep Throat's comment. So, so it, it's there, and you've got to be able to look at it on my side of the ledger board in order to go ahead and see it. Here's his second point for Scott. This is pretty technical here. Um, the FHFA just changed LLPA rules, and it screws high-quality borrowers and favors low-quality borrowers. Big hike in LLPA for high-credit score borrowers and big cut for low-credit low score borrowers. My guy says that amounts to an equivalent of 25 bips hike on mortgage rate for the high credit quality borrower and a 50 bips cut hike, or 50 bips cut for lower credit score borrowers. Dems pushing, uh, punishing thrift and rewarding uh, prof, profligacy yet again. So they actually punted those LLPAs. LLPAs are loan level price adjustments. Uh, they were supposed to go into effect, I believe, this month or at the beginning of next month. Uh, and I think they pushed that to August. Uh, I, there's a ton, 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 ton of lobbying being done right now to make that uh, push be a permanent, like, take it off the table. Part of the reason that it was done to begin with is because the people who are most likely to refinance are going to be these better qualified borrowers to begin with, and it is a concern that if all of these loans that have just been originated are then taken off the table uh, inside of uh, the EPO period, which is an early payoff penalty that was put in place post-2009, um, uh, that there could be some serious adverse effect uh, to these mortgage companies. Well, in the, the problem is at the moment – they were put in place originally thinking that we'd be going into May and June with a flood of refinances. But with what we're seeing in rates sticking where they are, um, that isn't yet to be the case. So at some point, they want to prevent an avalanche of refinances um, and how that could, for the inventory that's being taken off, like purchased right now. Uh, and the people who are going to be most likely and most capable to refinance are going to be uh, better qualified borrowers. So that's why they did it. I don't agree with the fact that they did it. I don't, you know, uh, if you're somebody who has 80 uh, percent uh, or, or better equity or 20 percent or better equity, and uh, are a well-qualified credit person, you shouldn't be being punished because you have the ability to refinance. I'm going to touch that. That's like way above technical. Way above nice. my my pay nice. grade. That's good, right there. That's the uh, I think the most technical question you've gotten on the show, right? Those uh, two, probably, probably. Yeah, deep throat on Twitter over there, um, Keith. Yeah, so I do want to kind of take it back a little bit to some of the conversation we had Monday and one of our callers that uh, viewers came in uh, we were having the discussion about well how do I sell and buy right when in today in today's market and what I what I want to kind of tie it in a little bit is some of the tools that you can use to help so my recommendation was particularly this case they had a ton of equity in their home was just to put your home on the market right sell it see if we do a 60-day lease back and then uh, go and find something to buy, right? And and use that sixty days to do that. Good advice, bad advice. Do you have any other um, 
tools no, I, or tricks? I think that's, that's great advice. Um, I will say an interesting thing. Uh, so when we talk about, I, I talked about this, uh, if not last week, the week before, uh, the dividing line in uh, America, which is an anomaly for the first time we're seeing East Coast properties, oh yeah, ton of activity, West Coast properties, declining markets, all of these things. Uh, now, if you go a little bit further west to the uh, beautiful Isle of Hawaii's, uh, Isles of Hawaii, uh, you can see when you look on Zillow a fleet of million dollar homes for sale. Oh, yeah. Like inventory that we would just be chomping at the bit for. And uh, there's a, a, a lack of – it's not that there's no one that's going to go in there and acquire any of it, but there certainly is a lot of it in comparison to, uh, say, anywhere that has that kind of Why? interest on the East Coast. Uh, because, one, it what it takes to get there, where the economy is headed um, – when we were going into COVID and there was there was the the, the money machine started going burr, uh, it was a, a place to, to go to and uh, work remote from. And there was high-level tech jobs on the West Coast, and they hadn't started shedding so much of that. And now you're seeing uh, a migration uh, to the East Coast for the, the bulk of those types of employment. You're seeing much higher interest rates than when uh, those, those homes were purchased uh, three years ago. And uh, people who have were probably had not had full exposure to island fever, who have now spent a couple years there and want to go home, and are finding themselves trying to figure out how to get these properties off market. Can't when you, sell them. When you were in the Marine Corps, did you know anybody that actually was stationed in Hawaii? Um, yeah, I know a bunch of people. And what was the number one thing they would always say? After a while, paradise is a bit too much. Yeah, like you also, I was on Okinawa, which is yeah. another like tropical beautiful. island. Beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. Some of the best diving in the world. They've got very similar to Hawaii with uh, the, uh, the pineapple wineries and these pineapple farms and stuff like that. Super cool stuff. But, you know, I, I think I would enjoy it more now than I did it. Uh, I don't know if I could enjoy it more. Yeah, yeah we, we, need, we, need, <laughs> we, need, we don't need to know. We don't need to know. But at the same time, you know, I would probably run its course as far as uh, after a little while, I'd be like, okay, this is cool, but I'm ready to go. It's like, you know, the man who eats steak every day, right, a can of, of beans is delicious. Right, 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 right. We took our uh, honeymoon in Hawaii. We went to Maui and Kauai uh, 13 days. Ooh. Interestingly, um, about nine months later, Trey was born. Um, that was Hawaii. It was certainly very beautiful. Uh, I did not know there were that many homes on the market in Hawaii. And that makes sense. People that went there for COVID, they bought these properties at lower price points, 30% less value at a different interest rate, and now they can't move them. We don't have that problem here. Why don't we have that problem here? People moved here, say, Manhattanites, or say people from big urban environments, and they moved to Charlottesville. I've not seen the buyer remorse from the Charlottesville area. Is that just a testament to how sweet this spot is? Or do you see the buyer's remorse? Because I don't see it here. So... I think that's specifically where I'm talking. Like, what, what you're still seeing migrating into the area and what makes competition so difficult is people who are selling in uh, high-value areas coming to the table with additional cash to step in and say, well, I'm going to finance the home, but I'll also pay this gap. This is, you know, we've got this money from, from 
this previous sale. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. So you guys unknowing, unwillingly opened up, stepped into a debate you and I are having. About what? About will what happens in West Coast migrate its way to the East Coast? And it's interesting. I've been doing this long enough to know that usually what happens, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the last time of great unpleasantness. Left to right. It went from left to right. And then usually the improvements go left to right as the market starts changing that. And we were comparing it to what happened last time and are we, this is going to happen. And it's very different set of dynamics than what happened last time. And we've talked about this till we were blue in the face, why it's not. But what's, what is happening now is they're leaving California for whatever reason. Well, I can give you a ton of reasons and, for leaving California. Yeah. My brother lives in California. Culver City, what up? Yeah, and you know what? San Diego is a great city to visit a couple of times a year, but that's about it. So, uh, and I'm sorry if I offended anybody who lives in San Diego, but they're coming here now, right? And it's interesting. I'm in my suit and tie because I'm going to go to Albemarle County Board of Supervisors and talk on the public comments about the land trust. Later today. But I'm also hanging around if I can get my my, uh, schedule adjusted because they're going to do a work session on their affordable dwelling unit. Now, shout out to Neil, uh, as usual, did a great write-up on that. And here's my two-second comment on that. If it gets approved the way it's currently written, there will be no, no, no more new, new construction. I can't even say it. Just the fact that no, no more, new, more construction. new construction built in Albemarle County, which is only going to make the affordability and the inventory tighter more expensive it is just really not going to accomplish anything so my hope is that they are uh they kind of retool it or defer it or whatever but but that's why i'm in a suit and tie you know i think i I think that's what the community may want or a large portion may want that i mean i think that's where the political capital might be and if they want it that's what's coming and i get it and why it's different from 2008 is is folks are sitting on equity they're not using their home as a piggy bank, and there's stricter lending requirements in place. So the if com- anything, the lending requirements are tightening. Oh, are they not? Oh. So, are your lending requirements tightening? No, no. I haven't. There's, there hasn't been some massive shift from investors. But you got to compare to 2004, five, and six. What, it's we'll, much what we'll see. So. We'll see more along the lines of uh, what, uh, what what Deep Throat was mentioning as far as. Uh, Direction from the Fed, Fannie Freddie, uh, FHFA, on uh, loan level price adjustments they're going to put in place, just like they did with second homes when they wanted to slow that down. They made yeah. that as painful to buy as a, uh, a an investment. Um, so that went from where you were buying at essentially no no difference than uh, your primary residence as far as rate goes to where you're you're generally about uh, a full percentage point higher, give or take credit situation, uh, et cetera. Um, and so we've already seen some, some tightening, but that's, you know, that's part of it, something that they haven't even implemented because, uh, they thought it was a good idea and then they realized it's not a great idea. Uh, and you'll see some, they, they'll shift like 
and this is and they they being Fannie Freddie will shift uh, some risk value inside of uh, DU uh, and LP, which is desktop underwriter and loan prospector, to where uh, it may be more difficult to get approved eligible findings, or you'll see uh, for d- certain credit situations a number of months of reserves uh, being monies not spent that you must have after the transaction um, will accrue in order to hedge against risk in loaning the money to individuals. Um, so those are the types of things that you'll see um, before anything else and when it comes to tightening. Investors want loans to go out. They want people to pay them back. Um, the risk is held at a federal level on how that's dispersed down into the system. Um, Scott, let me throw this to you. you um, how do you stay up to date with trends? What's the content you're reading and what kind of content are you getting from, say, Ross, top of the pyramid? Really, TikTok is a good one. Um, some, some people are not reels. watching you, so they're not going to pick up on the sarcasm here. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, no, that is not where uh, I, I read a, a lot of publication stuff. Um, I try to uh, stay in tune with uh, both the broker world and the, the retail side when it comes to who's doing what, what products are available, how they're getting them done. Uh, I, I don't know. I, you know, I actually don't watch any TikTok, like none. Yeah. Um, that's it's not, it's not um, even on your, is it on your phone? Wall Street Journal. It's on my phone Ooh. because at one point in time. Is TikTok um, on your phone, Keith? Every coach, it is? professional, it is? No. No. you know, et cetera, was like the Gary V's. If you're not here, man, you're missing out. And, and, and uh, yeah, I didn't want to miss out. So then I said I was going to do it. And then I realized quickly that I'm not. Uh, I have such a love-hate relationship with Gary V. I'm not Such a love-hate relationship. He but, talks like I talk, which I have to edit myself for the show. But um, uh, you're saying with the F word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I use it. I use it much more um, off air than I do on air. I got reprimanded multiple times by the better half, and then heard from others that that they were actually, you know, in the same boat as her. Then I'm like, all right, I gotta uh, make some adjustments. Um, but I do do appreciate his authenticity. He is true to who he, who he is as a person. And he's unabashed at displaying that. And that takes courage. I am too sometimes. Yeah, my own right, exactly. That takes but, courage. But it also takes courage to realize it's a bit too much and, and, and walk it back. <laughs> There's That's- a fine line between courage and abrasiveness. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay. There's yeah. a fine line between those two. Uh, Jason Howard wants you to elaborate Almaro, what Almaro is proposing with ADUs. So ADU, so we have to define the, the, the term ADUs. It's con, it can be confusing to folks, right? So ADUs means two different things. Thank you very much for acronym world. It could mean auxiliary dwelling unit, right? So that's your granny flat. Or the way they're using it in this case is the affordable dwelling unit. I wish they would use different know, different acronyms. So it, tough. It, it, it confuses I mean, like Deep Throat's that. comment, like, I know a fair amount about real estate thanks to you guys, but the LLPA, the FHFA, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's, it's an mean, alphabet it's, soup. It's, oh, my yeah, goodness. Yeah, yeah. It's so challenging. Well, so. And Scott handled it well, but he speaks the talk, the average Joe. I should have probably started with the statement by, like, Scott, what is this guy asking? <laughs> That's what I should have probably started with. Yeah, I, I, I got lost halfway through the through the question, and, and Deep Throat is... I thought it, I did a decent no, job. No, 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 no. You, you did a decent did it. job. You explained it well. well I figured it I out I am not a answer. smart person, so I just talk to myself like I'm talking to myself. I figured it out from your answer. I didn't know what so, he... Hold, 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 time out. 
what did you do? You talk to yourself like you talk to yeah, yourself? Yeah, yeah. So how does that go? You That's just walk I, around so talking to yourself? I, I explained something to someone that explains else a lot, the way that I hope no, no, someone stop would right explain there. it to you me. You can stop right there, Scott. That explains so much. I love much. Scott so much. God. I, was in a, I was in a meeting the other day, and I said something, and the person turned around and looked at me and goes, that's the first time you've heard that too. And I went, you know what? You're right. That was the first time I heard it. Look, so the affordable dwelling unit. So make a very long story short, they've adopted two years ago, you know, the affordable oh, housing. So this is an affordable dwelling unit, not an accessory dwelling unit. There you go. All right. I heard it earlier. I was like, I think I, that's yeah, what yeah. I'm saying. Why yeah. would they pick the same yeah. acronym? The yeah. same. And why would they pick the same like the RIP, the, uh, resident, the residential infield project? Isn't that what it was in well, Portland? That, yeah, but that's from Portland. Was that, it Portland the Rip? Yeah, but that's like, fit. why the rest, hell? Rest did, in peace. Because Portland you, embraces weird? Is that go. what you're going to say? There you go. If you know well, anything about Portland, like weird. the weirder the better. So, okay. that, so that's why Rip works. That, that totally works there on that. But in this case, it's confusing people, right? And that's why it's, we're this is why we're doing the long format. And this yeah. is why we do what we do here. So we are not talking about auxiliary dwelling units. We're not talking about... Which we love. Absolutely. I, I am a part of a national cohort that's working on that. This is completely different. This is an affordable dwelling unit program or policy. And it's been two years in the making. It is a, a, a different way of looking at this. We've talked about this before. Is the developer incentive program. And there's all, and if you read through Neil's writing and the links and all this stuff, it's a, it's a bunch of reading. I've done it multiple times. And to be frank with you, um, I understand this world, and it confuses me. Bottom line is, if you're going to do a subdivision, if this goes as written over 10 units, you have to provide 20% auxiliary, excuse me, I almost just did it, affordable dwelling units. And look, here's the reality. The way this is written, Keith and Jerry are not going to do a development in Almar County if this gets put together. So you're actually not going to get any affordability or any affordable these people are saying these folks are saying that if you do a housing project that one in five of the units have to be be affordable and tied to AMI there's a whole list of over 10 units in the project so if you read through Neil's no one's going to do that that's exactly right. No one's going to do that. Nobody's going to do that. And what no one's going to do that. And Neil's home county is just going to get bigger and bigger. You know, Green County, some of the outside and county. So if if the game plan is to not create affordable housing affordability, then this is the right way to do it. If you want to, unfortunately, I think it's going to have to be go back to the original thing. Original thing and start all over again. I will tell you, I've been doing the word start all over again. They're, they're I've been saying that about the government for a long start, time. Yes, you have, Scott. Start all over again. What do you mean? Start all over again to what point? Start all over I again. Think, I think you need to re, re, start all over. It's a work session. Have you first. tried, have so you it's tried a work, turning it off and back on again? <laughs> Scott, so, it, so, so it's a work session. Where, where Start all over again at what point here, Keith? Scott, let the adults talk. Okay? <laughs> no. <laughs> no props. No props. <laughs> Do you need a wall to destroy or something? I'll give you the skid steer and go destroy the wall. You know I love you, right? <laughs> you know. God, I love you guys so much. Yeah, uh, thank, God all, no, thank God nobody watches or listening. Listen start all over again to what point? Okay, Smith need to bring it back around. No, no, no. Okay, and you got you got Neil commenting and yeah. you got the uh, the local newspaper watching, by the yeah. way. 
Great. So Thanks. Neil says Albemarle's affordable dwelling unit program is a bad way to integrate increased inclusionary zoning. Yeah. So to simplify that language, at the end of the day, nobody, no pro- nobody from private sector or the nonprofit war- world is going to implement that. It's just they're just not going to do it because the math will never work. So a ten-unit project, you'd have to do two affordable. And the, as the chairperson of the land trust, just to put it in perspective, we put twenty-three homes. Um, in the last 18 months, 65% AMI and, and below. That's legit. It took us a 10 to 1 ratio. We had to go through 10 buyers to produce one. All of those 10 buyers met the income requirements, but we had to coach them through through PHA and you know uh, financial coaching. You know These folks were not ready to qualify for a loan. So this is going to be extremely complicated. It's extremely difficult to do. My opinion of it in reading it is that they ought to go back to the drawing board and try to figure out a better way to do this. I've been doing this for 35 years. My biggest fear is that um, mission creep will creep in. Things will just get approved to get approved. And But the way it's currently written, unless Ned corrects me and I'm reading it wrong, I do not see it improving housing affordability at all. I think it does the opposite. He says, in addition, Neil does, these units must be similar in size, similar in landscaping, yeah. similar in amenities, and be positioned throughout the development. It, it, what? This is well, ridiculous. It, it, so the question is, is great. Okay. No one's going to do a project like this. So I'm going to do a 200-unit project, and 20% of them need to be affordable. Look, the land trust is built perfectly to help with that, right? But if there's not subsidy, right, if there's not red tape turning into green tape, if there's not any way to do this, the Stanley Martins, the, the Ryans, all these developers don't know how to actually sell an affordable dwelling unit. That's how I got involved with the 23 with Stanley Martin to go ahead and do that. What this. if they don't care? What if they do a 200-unit project? The math won't that, work. Mm. Yeah, the math won't work. So, they, so part of that also in there is I bet you they got to actually build them. Well, no, no, no. That, so I'm, He's I'm saying take you, the remainder 80% and jack up the price? Yeah. To well, accommodate for the 20% yeah. being sold at uh, below value? Mm-hmm. Well, as somebody who's put a fair amount of road in... The fi- he, and Keith's, Keith's response to that is they're not going to get the loan financing to do a project no, like the that just if they, pen- do, it if just they put the model out. together like that. It won't pencil out. I mean, isn't, isn't the bulk of their costs going to be in uh, the site work to yeah, get the, that's exactly the project right. that's to begin exactly with? Right. So why couldn't they eat that? It, it won't pencil. Believe me, I... It, it's hard to explain in a sh- show like this, but I can assure you they it won't pencil out. So who benefits they, from this? So they, did this model just did they did they go did they look at it the way like somebody buying a car or first time buyer? You know, they, we're going to find they out. Just pull a number out of the sky, or is this a model that they've we seen somewhere gonna, else that they've taken gonna, and they've applied here? And if they did that, then there's clearly someone doing it somewhere else. If that's the case, so we're going to find out at the work session today. On exactly how it because this has just dropped recently, like the last 24, 48 hours. Did they like give the, it like a cool album pose when it? When it <laughs> they had a microphone and everything, brother. Who makes the final decision? The board, board of supervisors. Of, the board of supervisors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this will be a work session. My hope is that 
through the work session, this will get better um, on it. But as it's written right now, I, I, I don't see how it has any legs of improving it. This is from uh, Stephen. He says that would benefit Fluvanna, Green, and the surrounding counties, though. That You're 100% right. That's the reason why I said Neal's home county, which is Green County, will um, – well, it's already there are already 1,800 units in in the pipeline. The, the surrounding counties now, Fulvana County, on the other hand, you can't get a project approved in Fulvana County because they just don't want any new developments there on that end of it. So Green will 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 do that, but that pushes this rubber band out. So it'll be going to the other side of the hill, right? It'll be going out to Green. Nelson's very difficult at development because of, ter of the terrain. Uh, you can see it happened in Fulvana, but at the moment you couldn't get another project approved in Fulvana anyway. So it's only going to put more pressure on this inventory. And, you know, to be honest with you, I'm championing this housing affordability, but how I make my day job, how I pay my bills, less is more for me. But that's not the right thing for the community. Is it? No, you still need something to sell. Yeah, well, you need inventory on the market. I need, need inventory to, on the market, but but if the what's here starts going up in price, I make more money. I totally get that, but if what here goes up in price, but also diminishes in sales volume, units sold, it also becomes more difficult to make money. It's going to make everything that we've been talking about—the competition, the realtor pool, everything—is just going to get way more pressure on it. The reason, real reason, they won't come through all, all this stuff and all that, while well, they'll go to Green County. It's called a path of least resistance. That's what I'm saying. Mrs. Smith always says that about Mr. Smith. Yeah. That's the way you go? Uh, well, it's the developer in me, right? You just want to take the path of least resistance. But that's <laughs> I a, think Mrs. That's Miller would say that about Mr. Miller. That is an, in, that is an inside family. And, and you know what our response to that is? My work, response is? Work smart, not hard. That's what you say, right? I'm all about delegation. Work. I'm really good at it. Listen. Dude, I had this conversation last week. Literally last week, I had this conversation. Um, how about this from Kev? Why can't builders turn to a more reusable industry? We've become such a disposable society. Waste in building is amazing. A certain trash company has developed another business grinding construction waste into mulch um, that people line up to buy. Absolutely. So he wants to see more repurposed building. Smart idea. Um, Bill McChesney says the uh, the home that's been in the news, the big manor home on Rich Street, it used to be, like you were describing, cottages on the back side of the street uh, by the alley for servants to live in um, with the ADUs. Yeah, so, you know, you, you know that's a whole different conversation. That, that ordinance is, is very different than the one that we're talking about right now. Um, this comment has come in. What's the um, Hawaii version of our local area? Please ask Keith and Scott that question. So the Hawaii version of our local area, that's a reference to earlier in the show where Scott was talking about the glut of inventory on the market in Hawaii. We don't have that here. Do we have a glut of inventory anywhere? No. It's a, I, I don't want to put words in Scott's mouth and you jump in, Scott, when I'm, when I'm wrong here. Um, a lot of it was part of COVID, right? People were told you're going to be able to work remotely. Hey, I'm making all this money. I'm going to go live in Hawaii and work remotely. Now they're being told they got to come back. That's the first impact on it. And then the second impact on it is, you know, paradise is great until it's not, 
right? And uh, they want to leave before that, which is causing, I think, we really haven't, you know, that kind of scenario, and I'm going to look at Nelson County a little bit while you're talking, maybe Nelson might be the only only example locally where where some people may have moved out there and kind of regretting it a little bit and trying to move again. But I, without the numbers in front of me, I don't want to make that as a final statement. I'll let, I'll let my dear friend uh, Scott I mean, jump in. The, there's no glove there's no glo- Yeah, there's no, uh, you know, potential softening, I guess. We could, we could make a comparison. Like, is everybody out there still killing it in the local Airbnb game? I mean, because at some point... Uh, discretionary income decreases, uh, that is probably the first thing that's going to dry up. And if that's the case, then where do the, you know, do those homes come to market? And, but if, if they do, then most likely they're, you know, uh, there's still not enough of them to create some uh, inventory I mean, it's it's all beneficial right now, but uh, I I just don't know. It, go take a go jump on Zillow, do, go jump on real, something with a map that shows you what's for sale. And oh yeah. Take a look at what I'm talking out there, and then compare it to here, and you go, oh maybe the, yeah, that just doesn't exist. Well, if the way it's written is exi- not the auxiliary dwelling unit, but the affordable dwelling unit gets passed, it's only going to make inventory what's, tighter. What's, what's this uh, house on Ridge Street? What's what's that? What I'm I'm not up to speed on. Um, go. I'll send you the link. The uh, Daily Progress did the uh, Hall Spencer did an article on a home that's on the market for sale. Um, Bill, was it purchased? I don't think it was purchased. Um, a local historian is looking to utilize taxpayer resources to purchase the home to build a um, museum of some capacity. Um, but it's in the Fifeville area. And it's a manor home. It's well, massive. It's over by U. It's over by UVA, right? Yeah, it's yeah. on a it's it's on a massive parcel of land in the city of Charlottesville, like a few acres. Yeah. Oh, if anyone this, can share the oh, link, is it uh, is it the what you call it? The isn't it like the family that owned the ha- the thing for? Is it that that house? Yeah. So uh, um, it's a it's it's done by a famous architect. I actually know a little bit about this. I had clients a couple of years ago trying to buy it, and. Uh, and turn it into a development, which it, we didn't go anywhere with it. Um, but I'm working on Nelson County right now. So um, this is an interesting comment here. Um, can I use? Yeah, okay, I can use her name. Leslie Frank watching the program here. I was watching, or I was on the MLS recently, and I saw one of Keith, Keith's colleagues, Macon Gunner, um, market a property in Farmington. It was an undeveloped part, uh, property or a piece of land, and he utilized this terminology, and I'll paraphrase, that it's arguably the most valuable undeveloped piece of land left in Albemarle County. Does anybody want to take a crack at that? Yeah, well, that's, that's kind of a, a, that's a lot of words that mean nothing. It's just an opinion, right? It, it, I mean, it's in a high-dollar neighborhood. It, yeah, but what are you going to do with it? Put a house on there. Oh yeah, sure. But when you say develop it, at least my brain is that. Oh no, 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 no! I don't think she means. She means this from a put a house on. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Totally, totally, totally. But if I'm going to go ahead and and you know develop it, let's see if I can find that. uh, That or I think I just found Oaklawn. Is that the property that we're talking about? That's exactly right. 
Gotcha, gotcha. That's the one in Fife, Phil? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah? Are you going to buy that? A, it was built by a famous architect, and I can't remember who Tied it was. Tied to Thomas Jefferson. It's got ties to Jefferson. It does, and I think the architect James was, Dinsmore? Yeah, is that, is yeah. that Jefferson's brick mason? For Colonel Nibrod Bramham? Bram, Bramham? Uh, What's the price tag on that? 4.2. Yeah. How many acres? Uh... It's like about five point two. Yeah, five. Acres. I mean, good lord. Yeah. So my client five wanted acres? to do uh, uh, student uh, student housing on that. And some and somebody wants to use taxpayer funds to buy this. It's the most charitable thing I ever heard in my life. Paul Spencer wrote something in the uh, Sunday Daily Progress that I read about um, a gentleman who has risen to the forefront. He's made pitches to Lloyd Snook, the mayor, about utilizing tax money to build a museum there. Mm. Yeah. And he's got different themes yeah. for, for the large structure. Like each por- portion of the building would be a different theme of history, if you may. Uh, uh, anybody so. want to me- take bets that that doesn't happen? I don't think that will happen. Yeah. No, I don't think that will happen. But I do, uh, I mean, the point's been made on the show before that the city is approving all this um, real estate for hotel space. Sure. And approving hotel space in the city seems what counterintuitive. What do they need more hotel space for? Don't they have a big hotel over here they're not using? Well, the, the point that was made was approving hotel space in the city seems counterintuitive to um, the push for upzoning or create, creating more housing density. So Nelson County lost 6% quarter over quarter mm-hmm. in value. The number is super high, right? There was... Uh, um, this this quarter, the median sales price, single-family detached, excluding everything in wintergreen, right, because we, we need to do that. Um, thank you to Todd Rath on that for, for helping me with that. It was 540. Last year, it was 574. So that's 6%. And to put it into perspective, Lake Monticello went up 10%. So I think you're seeing, you know, folks kind of moving out. And the volume of sales, though, are... Or seven this last quarter. Last year it was 19, so you know they're much less. But we're also going down, and I think a lot of that is just folks moving, moving out of, okay, rural county or whatever. We are under hotel though. I mean, I know the point that you're trying to make about the Dewberry. Let's put some pressure on getting the Dewberry and make that a reality. But we are under hotel in the area. So depending on who you talk to, and Neil would know this number. Some people said as much as 4,000 rooms. I think that's a little strong, but um, we, we were, were talking yesterday on the show, and Neil, I saw Neil watching the show yesterday. He was commenting. Neil, we love when you comment. The uh, the new hotel by the Darden School, yeah. mm-hmm. the uh, the Forum. It's a Kipton hotel. Yeah, sure. It's Kipton's first crack at a hotel on a school campus. Yep. The one at UVA. At Darden Have you been school. in it? Uh, the ribbon cutting was this past week. I did not go. Did you go to the ribbon cutting? No, I, I accidentally on purpose wandered it one day when it was being built. I mean, it's. Absolutely amazing. He may even have photos, Judah, that he can put on screen yeah. of this hotel. But what the point Neil made um, yesterday, this has a, an, an event and conference area yep. that this is going to drive potentially midweek business for the area. Right. 100% right. And the midweek business is huge. What was the uh, population thing? Oh, Judah's got photos. About? This is the, the hotel. The population thing you were just talking about? 
population no. thing. Uh, so Both. I posted a, a thing about uh, growth in Virginia since uh, the pandemic the other day. So 2022, the no, state. So I was referring to people moving from areas that were during COVID that were locked locked in. I'm working remotely. I'm work. I've got high speed gotcha. internet. Now I'm now I have to go back to work and I'm moving mm-hmm. out. And I was trying to compare what might be happening in Nelson County a little bit to what's happening in Hawaii, where. Okay, now you're saying Nelson County is the Hawaii of Central Virginia, but but like minuscule amount. Charlottesville has actually had a 2.4 percent decline in population since 2020, um, where all the surrounding counties have grown. What do we attribute that decline to? I think a lot of it has to do with the footprint. Right? I think the decline with Charles, you think it's the footprint? Well, it just it's not growing anymore. There's no new homes coming on. And, and plus, the cost is, is going high and people are moving out. That would be my I think it's the cost of living and the expansion of UVA. Yeah. UVA expanding, they take up the limited housing stock locally, forcing the local or the OG to move deeper into central Virginia. Well, that's kind of like what we've talked about as far as being the the service provider inside, whether it be police, fire, teacher, nurse. Um, in order to afford to be here, they're all being pushed further and further out into surrounding counties. And that's the point I made 100%. And the point I made, if you're rocking a business, if you're trying to start a business or you currently have a business, your, your business is dependent on a labor force that's 12 to $22 an hour, you better think something quick. 1222 ain't going to be able to stay in this area close to your business that long. And then they're eventually going to say, do I keep working at your business because I'm having to drive 45 minutes one way for 15 bucks an hour. And it's just uh, seventh grader is going to figure that out eventually. That that it's not going to add up. 15. That number's closer to 20, 25 bucks. Okay. I mean, take the number to 25 bucks an yeah, hour, yeah, you know. Yeah. So speaking of which, our chemistry is working a little bit. So in the conversation on the Kipton, did, did the conversation come up on where the workers are going to come from? Well, actually that, was on, that was on yesterday's show, mm-hmm. and Andre Xavier and Katie Pearl says people are leaving Charlottesville because of the politics. I think part of that is the politics. Politics in the area. Maybe you can throw uh, I, a little I, crime, see, too. Uh, and I love Katie to death. You can see that both ways. You can see people that like the politics moving in and people don't like the politics mo- moving out. So uh, that could be a balance balance on on that but i think it's more what you outlined it's a cost of living um not and it's not just the forum hotel by darden dude it's also the uh the uh the foundations rocking a new hotel as well and conference center so like we legitimately have two state-of-the-art katie's got kids probably watching i was going to say you know two super sweet hotels right next to each other and, with and, conference centers and, and event space, which we desperately need, we need conference centers. The, the one by Darden's got two restaurants. So it's we got de- a it's got a steakhouse in it, and it's got a sports bar. In so, it. just just are we short on restaurants right now? I, but I mean, hey, it's so, got, so it's, it's, got not, it's got the Kipton money though. So it's the people they're going to be hiring are coming with the Kipton money. It's totally not the the restaurants. What it is the the regional housing partnership? We did our summit. We only had 200 people, and the only place available was the Omni, right? And we had, we had to turn away. We had 100 more people that wanted to come, so we could have had 300 people. There's not a facility to do that. So if you go over to this hotel, and it hits 300, 400, And there's five, two of them. There's literally two of them opening up right next to each other. And what they'll do, I know you do enough conferences. I surely do. And I know Jerry does. You usually kind of stay where they're at, right? You stay at the hotel. You eat where they're at. Right, because you're you're doing a, a two or three day conference on it. So I think they're going to do great. 
Oh, I think they're going to kill it. Oh, wait, I think they're going to kill it. Well, let's, where is this? The problem the- is, is what's the cause and effect? And the cause and effect is the strain on the labor pool. And yeah. the peeps that cannot uh, afford to pay or match the pay of the Kipton yeah. Yeah. or the UVA Foundation are the mom and pops the- that rely on these frontline people. The- and they're going to leave for the Kimpton and these other, these other jobs. The fastest way not to have somebody come back is not to provide the service. So if I come into Kipton and it's just, we don't, they don't have the the folks to service. I think that Kipton is going to have the service though. Well, that, that's what he's saying. He's saying. He's but saying, but how, how how's that going to happen? I think that Kimpton and UVA are going to have more perks to offer compensation. Okay, got offer, it. Okay. Because they have more backing, got and they're going to pull from the local people. It's it's the classic uh, four season story where you know, uh, you know the Wegmans effect. I, I stayed because. You got the service was of such high quality. It's you know it's a bad thing happened. They addressed like they're going to absorb that high end and they're going to pay their people enough to continue to operate there. But those people will, are going to be sucked out of the labor pool from your local establishment. Yeah, and it's going to be more difficult for local establishments to continue to compete so, with these types. So of we saw that when Wegmans opened. When Wegmans opened, they took the A and B players from restaurants and offered them benefits and health care. And more stable hours, and not crappy work Saturday night, then open Sunday brunch, yeah. and have no sleep. So they took a lot of the frontline talent. So that's called cannibalism, right? They're going to cannibalize the local folks to go there because UVA can wave its magic checkbook. Yeah, and, and the Kipton. Yeah, well, I'm sure it's a little bit of both on that end of it. But I'm excited for it because. This will get event space come. Yeah. People will, some people will stay at the site, but some people will spread out, you know, over there. You know, they'll be going to uh, the mill room, all these different folks that, uh, locations over there. That whole side of town is booming. There's, um, Selvage Brewery is moving from Woolen Mills That's and the news. Wool Factory That's big to, um, across from Burwood Golf Course. Yeah. To the old Grit Coffee Distillery. Uh, Well, I guess it's the current Grit Coffee Distillery. Is Tokyo Rose still over there? Nah, that place closed. That place was awesome. Yeah, Yeah, fantastic live music and uh, fantastic fresh uh, sushi in a questionable uh, environment. Well, that's Um, Tokyo Rose. That's how you're supposed to have it. Oh, it's fantastic. (laughs) It was was absolutely. I miss that place. And then you can get a tattoo. Tattoo. You can get some some. Yeah, it was actually great little, great little spot. Sorry that they that they closed up. Uh, this comment comes in: the talent is going to come from the restaurants for these jobs, and it's yeah. going to only hurt the restaurants from a survival standpoint because they're struggling right now. That's going to happen. I've been saying that we are. You're about to. This is we're about to play the winners and losers, and uh, there's there's some zombies out there that just you know are you know getting by. It's 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 a matter of time. I got a uh, trivia Cars, question for you. Zombies. Keeping a track of the topics here. Cars, I like zombies. zombies. Yeah. Um, trivia question for you, Scott and Keith. Movie. Which this came up yesterday. Which location in Central Virginia has the most TVs for your viewing pleasure? And not Crutchfield or Best Buy. Is it We're Jer- talking about Jerry's. Jerry's. No, a bar. Uh, okay. Bar or restaurant. Are we limiting it to what? What area? Just you could say Central Virginia. I mean, it's going to be Charlottesville, Albemarle County, just because okay, that's it, where the people it, are. Got it. Huh. You know, I'm the wrong person to talk about that because that's kind of not my thing, right? So I wouldn't know what rush sports. See, the wheels are turning over there for Scott. Yeah, I I don't, uh, I don't know. I know with like the the, you you would think like a a Buffalo Wild Wings, but it's clearly not. Um, Buffalo Wild Wings in top five. uh, Actually, it's top three. Buffalo Wild Wings. 
I'm not. Let me tell you. I do. I do. Lazy Parrot. Oh, is it Lazy Parrot? And then number two, Pro Renata. We actually have a message. The uh, Pro Renata guys um, heard us talking about this on the show yesterday, Judah. And they're going to send us the total number of TVs that they have. They're doing an official count and sending us the number. But it's uh, Lazy Parrot, number one, and Pro Renata, two. Pro Renata, on their voicemail, says they have 16 TVs. Lazy Parrot, which Judah figured out. Uh, Lazy Parrot has more than that. Look at that. I learned something today. Zombies, cars, TVs. And TVs during sports while wings and beer is important. Lazy. Yeah, yeah, I know. I get it. It's just lazy parrot in its old location was. But I, I spent many I am night writing there. A, it was, uh, a, a, a dungeon of fun. Yeah. 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 I am writing a race that uh, Pro Renata's putting a bike race on. So Pro Renata's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So Dude's crushing it over there. Looking I would to love it. to see a Pro Renata in Keswick. That style. Anything act- like Pro Renata. Keswick as in Keswick Hall or as in the Keswick area? The Keswick area. Yeah, got it. I think the Keswick area is prime for something like that. And, and they tried it. it. What's, uh, what's the one on 20? Shadwell's. Yeah. I don't, why? Shadwell's is not Keswick. Okay. Shadwell's is Pantops. Got it. Why Did Shadwell's, not- or isn't that the place that was... Uh, it was the Piedmont. It was right there at the base of uh, Martha Jefferson. Like yeah. The little, uh, yeah, 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 the big restaurant. Yeah, the that's Holiday Inn or where, where the, the yeah, by the, is right by the hotel. Yeah. Yeah. But that's close enough to Shadwell, that's right? Pantops. Uh, that's Pantops. So, so the the little market right there is the closest thing. Like you're talking is, in, in Keswick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the one at the X. Yeah, the one. That yeah, used the gas to, station. Be, yeah, I, I, so I used to. That's live, the legacy market. Yes. So I used to. Well, I used to live there, but its legacy was not as high profile as it is now. Um, when it was like just a corner store, like you know, it, it was not your nicest place. Um, Why would you spend so much time there? Um, because it was like an easy place to stop and like grab some beers on the way home. Okay, or, like, so you yeah, were yeah, driving yeah, that yeah, way. Yeah, okay, was, gotcha. Yeah, the parking was better than it is now because it was like a parking gravel, is miserable. Like, oh, it's horrible. Yeah. Um, this is the one at the exit, the traffic light across yeah, yeah, yeah. from Lucky Stone. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I love this. If you were to go further down, um, I think you might be able to. The problem is if. That corner, that area is ideal, but there's actually like a little shopping center. There's got like a wine store and some other stuff. Yeah, it's right behind there. That's where I think it should go. Okay. And the wine store. I I love the wine store. I'm not knocking the wine store. Or something uh, just further down. uh, That's uh, exactly where it should go. Not as far as uh, what's the next next little area. It's uh, what's wrong with my brain? so you pass Glenmore, you it's uh, at the you go through Black Cat Road. Yeah, past Black Cat Road. It's okay. down on the left. There's like a little there's a little uh, gas station store down there. Oh, um, you're talking about right before you get on to. I know I got it. Yeah, yeah, right yeah. Go yeah. past Black Cat Road, and then you don't go past. Are no. you allowed to? I, t- <laughs> I don't go past Black Cat Road. <laughs> I just I'm don't, not, have, a, I don't I go, have a need to. I don't have a need to. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, just driving wise, it was a mark, little market that they yes. had there in the corner. Somebody yes. actually. Oh, um, our friends, uh, the Suttons and Tiger Fuel, yeah. was actually trying to do something there, and it got shot down. With that's a hundred percent right. Yeah. With my uh, yeah. buddies uh, Kip White and uh, the White family, um, they were trying to put a Tiger Fuel that's like exactly. a Bel Air type market there. That's exactly, and it right. got shot down. It would have created like twenty three jobs. Suttons, I love the idea. And, would and you would have had a place. I live there. Stop to get beer. 
I live there. I live in that area. I would have crushed it. Um, there's you also, would have had to go up to Black Cat. Yeah, you would have had to cross. No, no, it was on Black Cat Road is where they were proposing. Uh, so as long as you don't right cross there, it, you're good. Right there at that corner where there's a They were proposing in that on Black Cat Road, so I wouldn't have had to go on. Who, like, who opposes it? Is it like Keswick that doesn't want that there because like you're on the you're like close to their back entrance? All right, so this is what memory serves. This was a couple years ago. We won't go deep down the rabbit hole, but yes, you got local NIMBY opposition, and it was specifically to um, vehicle traffic um, and specifically to vehicle traffic after hours and how it impacted quality of life. It's the same folks who are going to love this. Uh, how it impacted quality of life. It was like 20-some jobs that they were going to create there. Oh, Kevin Yancey's is the Beaver Dam Market. Yes. There you go. God, well I done. love it. Well Nicely done, done Yancey. Well done, Kevin. God, that was one of your best comments right there. Uh, yeah, but it's actually a, it's had a bunch of iterations of names, but... I'm not so sure if it's Beaver Dam right now. I think they're calling it something else, but it is the Beaver Dam market. When it was a seven-day junior, Bill McChesney says right. it had good morning biscuits. That's right, yeah. The seven-day junior. Have you been to the Sismont market in Sismont? Nope. That's more toward Castle Hill and Keswick. Got it. Sismont, Sismont market is legit and has good sandwiches. I'm not allowed to go past that intersection. <laughs> <laughs> is, it the one, is that the, little, the white building with the, right at the intersection of 22? Um, uh, Sismont that? market. So if you're at the Legacy, the gas station at the mm-hmm. X, you take a left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you're going, and then it's on, it'll be so two or three miles the on the office, left. Keswick. Yeah, and then, yeah. yeah on the, the left. left right there it's got a huge parking, white off. building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Fantastic spot right there. Yeah, they got, they got some good sandwiches. Great sandwiches. So, right gentlemen, there. I hate to be the, the one, but I've got a hard stop at 1130 because I've got to go get ready to chat to the Albemarle County Board of Supervisors. Uh, well, I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Um, Scott Morris, closing thoughts for anyone? Reach out to you? Uh, yeah. You know, if you need anything, like, we haven't seen a lot of movement in rates. They've been kind of trapped in a little bit of a six and a quarter, six and three quarter for the past few months. That seems to be the the case for the future. Um, it's very competitive. If you've gone out there and you haven't won, keep going after it. You'll find you'll find your spot. If there's you found the one and it didn't work out, it wasn't the one. You'll you'll find the one that is. Um, you know, we saw a lot of we, we had we had a ton of success this this past weekend after uh, you know people going through some months of pain. So it, it's out there. Inventory is going to ebb and flow. Things are going to come in, come on. You'll have the ability to go after them. If you have any questions, you want to run numbers, just whatever it is, don't hesitate to reach out. We want to help you. So to that point, Ross Mortgage, Scott Morris. On Friday, there were 69 pendings right now. So, by the way, we started the show at 112. It just bumped up to 115. So, people are buying. Stay in the game. Get a trusted advisor. Scott Morris. Anybody in the Real Talk with Keith Smith's partners tab, pull them down. Trusted advisors help you get across the finish line. But homes are being being bought. You just got to stay in the, stay in the game. Keith Smith is a realtor. He helps people buy and sell homes. He's one of the principals at Yes Realty Partners. <laughs> Scott Morris is a loan officer. He's just an all-around great guy, just like Keith. Scott Morris of Ross Mortgage, Keith Smith of Yes Realty Partners, Judah Wickhauer, myself, Jerry Miller, and this is Real Talk, the I Love Seville show in 59 minutes. Keith Smith is on time. Keith Smith is on time. Hey, look at this, Keith huh? Smith look at this, huh? He's on time. I showed up early, too, today, by the way. <laughs> you get five stars today. That's all she wrote. Uh, Thanks, guys.